live from State Street in the heart of Chicago. You are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. And this is Waddle and Sylvie, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. We've talked uh, over the years to Brock Heward. I think at one time, like years and years ago, before like a uh, Bears-Seahawks matchup, I think we, we were talking trash with Brock Heward. Don't, do you remember that? Oh, Does the that good right? old days. <laughs> right. I think I remember the, that. The sports radio talking yeah. trash days. I think so. Let's do it. Uh, well, like, we don't talk trash with many people now with regard <laughs> no, to football the, because our team doesn't let us do that. Yeah, with the Bears, right? Um, it, it may have been like back in the day, like with the Bears' last playoff win back in uh, 2011, right? We just celebrated that anniversary. Yeah. Um, 2011? Yeah, that you really was think I remember? Yeah, you think I remember what was going on in 2011? You don't remember no much. No. Um, so Brock Heward does great work for, for Fox. His, uh, one, one of his broadcasting partners these days is Jason Benetti, our good friend. Um, obviously, he played in the league, played at Washington, um, and, and is just really good at what he does. And this is twofold because we wanted to know a little bit about Caleb Williams and with the Bears having the number one overall pick, and Shane Waldron as well. Yes. And, and they talk a lot about uh, the Seattle Seahawks, and Shane Waldron's been their OC for the last three years. So it's our pleasure to welcome in Brock Heward as he joins Waddle and Sylvia in the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Brock, how have you been? Well, it was January 13th, 2011. I kept track. <laughs> I tell people all the time, you know, if you've done a good job because you get invited back, it's taken 13 years. So thank you. That's nice our, to be with you, boys. That, that's on us. That's not on you. That's not us. It's, we, this we, have is talked us not you. Yeah. we have talked to you since then. Uh, I think that was just uh, the trash talking days uh, of the relationship. Uh, hey, by I don't the way, know, but be, it's been a while. Before we dive into this other, how surprised were you to see? Pete Carroll and the announcement of Pete not being the coach going forward. Yeah, I don't think it's surprised as people on um, on the outside or, or just a little further away from him. We are so close to it. Salk and I have been doing our show together like you two for a long time. Mike Salk out in Seattle. We do morning radio. It's going to be 15 years this wow, spring. Wow. He took a sabbatical. Congrats. He tried to go back to Boston, and that was a disaster. <laughs> so he came, uh, he came crawling back. But um, – we, we've gotten to talk to Pete every Monday for 14 years and super transparent with us and especially off the air. And I, I wouldn't say I was a shock because it just didn't feel right. He would say that quite often. It just doesn't. They're just not there. It's just not happening. They're not buying in. You heard you know, some of the some of the blowups. You heard DK Metcalf talk about the penalty board. You heard Jamal say, they go low, I go lower. You saw the guys smoking cigars after you beat Arizona but missed the playoffs. Just stuff that would have never, ever happened hmm. in the first half of his tenure there. So I can't say I was shocked at knowing Jody Allen, Paul's brother, and the way she operates as a business person. She's pretty tough, pretty ruthless, and they didn't win enough. And ultimately, she trusted John Schneider, the GM, to move this thing ahead rather than Pete. It's tough to get it right, though, like you do with yeah. Pete Carroll, isn't it? It is, because he built an unbelievable culture. I mean, there's really nothing in this culture that needs to change. You heard John Schneider yesterday say that. He met with the press locally, and the culture's not broken. And there's a lot of places that strive for this continuity, strive for this stability, strive for uh, the ability to empower players, and they play hard, and they love to be there. I mean, there's so many facets of it that are right. 
but ultimately the ball wasn't right. And for a guy that, and we'll get to this with the Bears, because I got some strong feelings on what you all should do or think at least from a couple thousand miles away what I would do if I was in that position. But when your culture and your philosophy is the line of scrimmage and you're the 31st defense back-to-back years, you can't run and you can't stop the run, hard to keep that same direction moving yeah. forward. All right, so I'm anxious now to hear that. Yeah. What, what, what should our team do? Your team should be built in the image of the Baltimore Ravens. There's a reason for 40 years it's been hard to play quarterback because that's a tough place to throw the ball. And I, you, you, you've built a, a pretty terrific defense. But, you know, to me, that is Bully Ball 101. That environment should be Bully Ball 101. You should play to your environment and your surroundings and get back to being the biggest, nastiest bully on the block. And this is a draft that is loaded, loaded with offensive linemen. And I don't know all your needs like you guys do. You know it up close and personal. You see it. You've lived with some of the struggles and the mediocrity. But it sure appears to me you got a defensive-minded head coach that's got a lot of his defensive pieces in place. Now go capitalize like crazy on this draft capital you have to build that bully. Tight end, tackle, guard, running back. I think in Justin Fields, you've got an amazing dual-threat guy. So tell me why that team can't be built in the image of that team out in Baltimore. So, And that's what I was going to say, Brock, and we're talking to Brock Heward. And you've seen... Caleb Williams, you're in Pac-12 country. You've done his games. You know what a, what a type of prospect he is. Knowing what you see from him, seeing what you've seen from Justin Fields, you're telling me stay with Justin, capitalize on the number one pick, and possibly trade down and build around Justin. From afar, that is what I would say. And, and I, again, I don't know all the ins and outs, and so much of this has nothing to do with how you throw a football. It really doesn't. I think I'm just falling on that more and more the longer I do this and around all these because there are so many youngsters that can spin a football. Waddle, you've seen it. I guarantee you there are guys in high school around the country that spin the football a whole lot better than dudes you played pro ball with in the 80s and 90s. I mean, it's just... So I've seen the most beautiful arm. I've seen the greatest talent. I've seen the greatest athlete. I've seen all of this stuff. But just give me the the leader of men. And that's what I don't know. I'm not in that facility. I don't sit down and, and know the relationships like you guys do. You tell me. Is he a leader of men? Does he walk into that team room, the offensive meeting room on the practice oh, field? He's very well liked and very well respected. There's no question about that. Like okay. he, he, well, has if he the commands attention. his teammates, right? Yeah, if he commands he his teammates, Tom, and, and they believe in him, then my God, use that the pick that you have at one if for somebody else to go do that. And you go, you know, I mean, look what you could add. Look at the depth of resources in the first two rounds of this draft that's got elite receivers, got elite tackles, got some really good defensive edge guys, got some pretty good interior guys, which you've not had in a few years in this draft. Like, there's dudes, and then there's also running backs in the middle and the back end. Like, you could, I think, build around him if you believe that he is truly the leader of men with some pretty unique pieces in this draft. So, Brock, if they were going to go in this direction, now that they need to find someone that can de- help develop him and help him take the next step, and that would be at the offensive coordinator position. Is Shane Waldron one of those guys that would build an offense that would tailor itself to what Justin does well? And that, that I have a hard time saying yes to, just from the two, three years we had in Seattle. 
You know, they just couldn't run the ball. Right. And I don't think that that was a, a Geno Smith issue or a horrible offensive line. It's just, I think he comes a little bit, which is surprising because the tree that he comes from should be a run play action team. And the head coach that he was playing for, basically, who'd never called anybody out, basically with us, you know, near the end is like, we're just not doing it. And I'm like, well, why aren't you doing it? Call the freaking run plays, like run the ball. You know, your rushes per uh, attempt are pretty good. Your overall net yards are one of the worst in the league or bottom five in the league. So I would like to say because of the background and the tree that he comes from, that would be central. But I don't think it'd be anything like the right. dude that used to be with the Buffalo Bills and Jim Harbaugh and built a bully and built a bully up there and built a bully in San Francisco. And if that guy is available to me, that would make a ton of sense. Brock, with your familiarity also with the college game, is there somebody there that you would say, hey, because like what the the Ravens did is 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 they went to Todd Monken because it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. If you identify Justin as your guy going forward, and he's not going to fit in a West Coast style, he's not going to be right. you know a guy that thrives in an offense that is designed by Shanny or one of his disciples. So where would you look for that guy? Is mm-hmm. I mean, is it the ki- the guy that used to you know do it for Harbaugh back in San Francisco and then with the Baltimore Ravens? Is there somebody else out there? Yeah, I mean, I I like him. You know, I think he's a little gruff. I don't know where he's Greg at. Roman? Yes, I I do like Greg because I like somebody that's done it with a track record. You know, and I think what was really important for Lamar, and this would be the conversation that you'd have to have with Justin and just say, listen, we're going to play to this style. Because, you know, Lamar was taken 32 overall. He wasn't taken in the top 10. I think maybe a little easier to convince, hey, man, use your legs. Your legs in, in, in the dual threat nature, it's so hard to run the ball in the league. It's so hard. But if you give us that, and, and Justin did a bunch of that last year, but if we really commit to this, we got a chance to be special. And that's what Baltimore has done. You know, they play absolutely to the strengths of the totality of that bully ball. And Lamar buys in. And many guys don't. And I don't think Caleb Williams, we've not even talked about him, who's immensely talented, who when you see him in person, as I have a half dozen times, his legs are like Franco Harris. He's a running back. He's a powerful, unbelievable athlete that can spin a football tremendously. But would Caleb Williams play that kind of game? Be content with doing that? Be content with, you know, content with throwing it 20, 25 times, never putting up the stats that other guys are, you know, having to fight the bias. Oh, you know, he just is a dual threat guy. Who cares? I'm a winner. That's what Lamar's learned. I'm a winner. And it may get him an MVP this year and just finally silence some of those haters. Brock Hewer joining us. Uh, he's in Seattle, does a great show out in Seattle. Uh, also, obviously, works for Fox Sports, does a ton of college football out there. You just heard him say he's done Caleb Williams games about a half dozen times. So tell us what you like and what you don't like about Caleb Williams. Well, what everybody likes is just a playmaking ability and movement skills in and around the pocket that are just silly. And I also had Lamar Jackson, his very first start, and I remember Petrino at that time telling me, I don't know what this kid's going to do, but you've never seen somebody run like he can, and it's just a different gear. And, and then they played, I believe, Florida State, and he was running away from them. And I was like, this dude's just different. You see Caleb, he's just different. His strength, you know, his, as I said, his power, you, you're going to see him at the combine in his shorts. I don't know. He'll probably not run or do much there. But when you see him, you're just like, man, this guy is an un, a truly 
I mean, he's an elite, elite, elite athlete. And there's great athletes coming out. Jaden Daniels is a great athlete. You know, there have been great athletes. This dude is an elite athlete, and that's why he can just make those guys look so silly on a football field, no matter who's rushing them. Harder to do with grown men. Harder to do in the NFL, harder to do with less space, the hash marks and everything that just condenses everything into a, a phone booth. But that is his going away talent. The, the, the learning curve is, is just going to be playing on time and rhythm. Playing on time and rhythm. What, what, you know, what style are, are of you, offense do you yeah. think he'll thrive in at the next level, Brock? Ooh, I, th- I think that, uh, that McVay Shanahan tree would be a pretty good tree for him. You know, which again, we'll point back to Shane Waldron because he, he grew up in it and came up in it. But I think Caleb handled quite a bit. Uh, Lincoln's system is, is pretty diverse and he asks a ton and a lot of checks and a lot of things go on within that. And, uh, and he, he could handle all of that volume, uh, the two of those guys together. So you put him in that kind of system, you put him in that run, play action, movement. You know, I, I am just such a fan of that. I'm such a fan of the play-action game because the game is so hard. It is so condensed. Detroit does it so beautifully. A bunch of the teams left standing do it so well. San Francisco at the very top of that list. Baltimore probably right next to them. And I don't care about the EPA numbers or any of that. Just my eye says, yep, run and play-action, man. Still two of the most potent tools. It was that way with Sylvie in the 80s. That way when I was watching on the bench in the 90s and early 2000s and now watching on my couch in 2024. What, what about the, you know, we hear, and we're, we're you know, 1,200 miles or however many miles away. Um, what about the personality stuff that we hear? What do you know about him as just as a guy? Yeah, I think this year was a little harder, I'll be honest. You know, I think when he ascended, it's always harder to handle prosperity and success. Um, my brother's on staff there at USC as well. So I, I've got quite a bit of background on this. And I'll tell you the one thing uh, that they loved about that dude is he treated everybody incredible. And that's not always the case in Gen Z, especially when they get a lot of stuff handed to them or have earned. Let me rephrase that because he earned all of that NIL and everything that came in all those accolades. But he treated people incredibly well. He was generous. And we don't talk about that very much with quarterbacks. But again, away from my whole like spinning the football, how are you as a human? How do dudes get around? You know, are you just generous in your time and your gifts and, and giving people, you know, like he gives it away. So those things are really, really cool. I think this year handling prosperity was hard. It was hard. I, I, I don't, you know, there was a little drama at times. I don't know if I, you know, love the crying in front of the cameras, even though they tried to hide his face and do all that stuff. Um, he's real. I mean, he's a real dude. He doesn't try to fake it. Um, but this year, I think, was much, much more challenging, which should only get him ready for the NFL, man. Especially if you're a top top pick, top two pick. Like, yep, you're going to have to handle all that comes with that. And I think he's got the spine in the background to do it. As someone who played in the league, Brock, and we're talking to Brock Heward, and, and, and was someone who was a top recruit like you were, uh, tell us why someone, like, in one aspect you're saying, he's real, but you didn't yeah. like him crying. Explain yeah. why. Well, it's just the drama. Like, do that in the locker room. You know, like I was around Peyton Manning, I, arguably one of the best to ever do it. And I probably, you know, gleaned some of my opinion off of that. And maybe that's unfair to compare and contrast, you know, a, a Peyton to a 20-year-old. But just watch the way. Or, and my older brother was around Tom Brady. You know, won two Super Bowls as his backup. And he and I chat, and it's like, man, those two were just so simpatico in so many ways. Like, handle that and, and all that tears and all that emotion off of it because it's going to just generate more distraction, and you're going to have to answer to it, right? And, and you know, just some of the stuff that hey, you, if you bring it upon, 
on, just know that it's coming, and in the NFL, it's going to be coming full force. So that is it. I, but I appreciate guys, and it's a different generation, man. <laughs> it's different than it was in the day, and and Gen Z is a different type of of generation to have to lead. I do think, though, honestly, I think it is an advantage when you've had to handle that prosperity through mm-hmm. college. That is one tool that is different in this evaluation for all of these scouts. Uh, we asked Pete Carroll earlier this year when they got their head bashed in by San Francisco. How in the world did the whole league miss on Brock Purdy? I'm looking at the QBs remaining, right? The, the eight QBs remaining in the playoffs right now. And their draft positions were 1, 1, 2, 7, 10, 26, 32, and 262. How? And Pete said, and had a pretty good answer. He said, listen, those guys in the top 10 and why there's so many busts, the whole world's thrown on them. They have so, Trey Lance had so much thrown on his shoulders. He had never experienced in his life coming out of North Dakota State. Nothing. He had not handled failure. He had not handled attention. He had not handled criticism. He had not handled finance. He hadn't handled any of that. Caleb Williams has. He won a Heisman. He's handled a lot of that. And they had to handle the pressures and the successes. And ultimately, this year, a bunch of failures, too. So I think in the end, that does make him, you know, no, no, nobody's a sure-proof prospect at all. But I think you know a whole lot more about what you're getting. This is supposed to be a really deep quarterback class. I, I, I'm curious. I know you've seen a lot of Bo Nix. And I know you've seen, obviously, a lot of Michael Penix. Mm-hmm. Have you seen a lot of Drake May? Have you seen a lot of J.J. McCarthy? And if so, how would you kind of slot these guys? And is Caleb Williams by far the best of what you've seen? Yeah, I've not seen Drake in person, which is a bummer. I think every other of those names you mentioned, I have seen, and it's such a difference. Scouts say that all the time, right? i got to see him in person. You know, it's one thing to watch on television. It's one thing to watch the tape. Let me see him in person. When I saw Brock Purdy in person in Iowa State, I was like, this dude is teeny. Like, he is so small. His hands are so small. Like, this guy has maximized everything he possibly could, but I just, I don't know how he's going to do it. And then he proved me and everybody else wrong. So when I, yeah, get to see a Bo Nix or a Penix, I mean, wait till the combine comes. I can guarantee this headline, you're going to read this. Michael Penix throws a football like nobody else. It, is, it, it, it screams. It comes off his 11-inch hands in, in a way that's, like, different, just about different than anybody not named Josh Allen or Matthew Stafford. I mean, he's got top five arm on the planet Earth. That's how well he throws a football. But his body's pretty frail. I mean, he's been a kid that has been beat up and brings a lot of that history. And even this year, played through some pretty significant injuries because when they see him there at that combine or at the Senior Bowl here in a couple of weeks, going to be like, wow, can this thing in this body just endure the punishment that the league takes? So I, I'm a little bummed that I have not seen Drake in person. I know people that absolutely love him, love his personality, love everything that he brings to the table. Um, and it is, I would say, um, this is one of the deepest ones we've had. And that if you're looking for a certain flavor at Baskin Robbins, you got it. You got it. You found that a little bit last year, right? With Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud, they're all a little bit different. But this one goes a little bit deeper on the old ice cream aisle with a whole bunch of different flavors. Brock Heward for another minute. It's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. All right. So you gave us what you thought the Bears should do. You like keeping Justin, maybe trading down and, and getting more to build the football team around Justin. Is that is this a no lose situation for the Bears? Whether you go down that first aisle, like you said, or like you were talking up Caleb Williams, Mm -hmm. if they choose to draft Caleb Williams number one, is either or a win for the Bears? Yeah, I think it is. I would just lean into what you know what you got. 
Like you know what you got in Justin Fields. You may know what he, what he isn't either, right? And there may be some areas there that, boy, we got to make sure we build. And, and, and that is so many quarterbacks. I mean, that's Jared Goff, right, who should win this weekend and get his team to an NFC championship game who's already in a Super Bowl. Oh, he ain't good enough. Really? Really? I mean, he played in the Super Bowl and going to be a part of Detroit taking them to an NFC. Like, he's not good enough? Yeah, well, we got to trade him. And I guess for Stafford, it worked out because ultimately he did win a Super Bowl. But that's because he brought all of that experience from Detroit, all that scar tissue, all that toughness, all that background, all that experience. Caleb Williams is going to start over. You're going to start over. And there's going to be a learning curve. And guess what? He ain't perfect either. You're going to have to learn what he is and what he isn't. Guess what? Trevor Lawrence, he ain't perfect either. You know, he's one of the great prospects coming out, but you still got to build a team around him. And when you've got these kind of draft capital and resources just in this draft with pieces at the line of scrimmage that you need, man, I, I think I would stand on the table, make a strong case. As long as he's a leader of men, your leader of men, you roll with Justin. Good stuff. Uh, how is working with Benetti these days? <laughs> I love that guy, man. We all do. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she is. Except the White Sox, but that's a different yeah. story. Yeah, that's a different conversation. <laughs> not a for sure. not a problem that they don't love him. Yeah. So that's more of a White Sox problem. Yeah. But he's yeah he is a he is as good as it gets, man. He is so fun, and as you guys know, as good a guy as he is, is incredible talent. So the best. fun. The best. Yep. Hey, great stuff, Brock. We Thanks appreciate time, you. Brock. We'll you come in about fellas. 10 years, all right? Yeah. yeah, let's not wait 11, 12, 13 <laughs> years again, all right? See you. That's great. We'll see you soon. There you go. That's so, great perspective. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that his brother was on the staff. Yeah, Damon Heward. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. I knew. I just didn't know. I didn't know he was on the staff. Neither did there. I. No, yeah. it's actually, no. It's Luke Heward. Oh, he's it's a, Luke. It's not Damon. He's a receivers coach. Okay. Like, they're, like, in, in, like that is, again, another reason why. Like uh, uh, Renetta, who was tweeting us, when we book these people, we don't know what they're going to say. No idea. We book these people because they have gotten a firsthand look at, and, and we, and then we found out, hey, he's got a brother who is on the staff at USC. What better than than someone with the insight about how he dealt with the success, and that he is. A really generous quarterback, and okay, he he probably didn't um, deal with the success as well as he could have. But what he would do, his opinion as a former player and a guy who makes his role in the media and watching all these college players and and doing a talk show, he would choose to go with Justin. So like you're dug in and you think, hey, we're putting on someone who's watched Caleb Williams. <laughs> That his final analysis is going to be, you must choose Caleb Williams. This is why you do these exercises. Absolutely, You never know what, this is why we ask the question, like my philosophy is, I never ask a question that I know the answer to. Right. I ne- like, I never ask a guest a question that I know the answer to. That's why you ask a question. Because you're curious on knowing the answer. Um, so this is why you get these opinions over these next three months from all these people. Hey, Brock Heward, you do games for Fox for Caleb Williams. What do you think? Hey, so-and-so, what do you think? And you, you put it in and, and you try to inform the fan base and you try to entertain. And then, and then by the time the draft is here, we know a thing or two about all the players 
And then we we roll as Bears yeah, fans. Exactly. Um, and I thought he had a really interesting take on this. I don't necessarily, I'm not 100% in lockstep with him with regard to, you know, playing just bully ball. Because I don't think that that's what the Baltimore Ravens do specifically or only. Like, if you look at Lamar Jackson this year, Lamar has completed 67% of his passes for 3,700 yards, 24 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, and has had a quarterback rating of 102.7. Yeah. Um, he is very efficient in the passing game, as well as being a very elusive and dynamic running quarterback as well. So they're not just playing bully ball in Baltimore. They're actually getting you on the run and through the air. And if, in fact, you could convince me that with added help and with an offensive coordinator that you could get Justin to play like Lamar Jackson, then I don't think that I think you'd get a lot more support with that avenue. But when you try to kind of connect those dots, you don't see the same efficiency in the passing game with Justin that you've seen with Lamar. If you know what I'm saying. Sure. And then um, um, Greg Roman, remember what Des Bryant also said is, and it's a, just a one other person's opinion. Right. And Des wasn't there long. But Des Bryant said, um, if you're a wide receiver, beware. Because well, his, he, 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 like, he won't throw the ball as His much. criticism, I, I interpreted Des Bryant's criticism as Lamar had all of this talent with the ability to throw the football but and understanding the, the offense. And, yes, not just doing it from the edge, but doing it from the pocket. And Greg Roman actually kind of limited his access to all of that other stuff. Right, so right. he kind of, like, suppressed yes. the ability for Lamar to branch out. Now, you say that, but, but like, Lamar threw 36 touchdown passes and only six interceptions in his second season and was the MVP of the league with Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator in that year, he also ran for 1,200 yards. I would also, the only other thing with, 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 and if you've watched how Lamar has played over the course of the last couple of years, they have dialed back some of that run because sure. physically, you know, Lamar's still only 27, but the mileage on the legs and the body, you do have to scale it back a little bit as guys get a little well, older. As Jalen Hurts that. Yes. Jalen Hurts was banged up. That, like, yeah. That's something that's a real fear. Like, you, you have got to be able to throw the ball. You can't run so much every year. You just can't. You, you're an injury risk. Yeah. Uh, Jim on the Kennedy, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Jim? Hey, fellas, how are you? We're good. good. Um, I, I got to admit, I'm, I'm a little confused about the Brock Heward uh, opinion. He, he had us uh, keeping Justin, but then went on and told us how great Caleb Williams is, so I'm, I'm a little more confused. Well, than well I Jim, real quick, that. I would just in, in, interject with this. I, this is kind of what we have said all along. Th- these are two pretty good options if, in fact, you, you go in either direction. If you decide to build with Justin, then you have the opportunity to trade that pick and add resources or uh, put I get resources. That. I get that, but I, but I also... Um, are we not making the same mistake the Portland Trailblazers made when they didn't pick Michael Jordan because they had Clyde Drexler? I, I wouldn't want to make that mistake. Right. I've we heard, already, like, we already we've heard that comp a lot. CJ yeah. Stroud. It's not a great comp, but we already overlooked CJ Stroud. 
Right, and right, right. And we're not saying that him. Caleb Williams is Michael Jordan, but again, like you're set at a position with Clyde Drexler better, and Jim Paxson, right? So you've got to take you something think else. Better, you think he can be better than Justin? You take him. I agree That's with that. I've felt that way all along. I just, I, you know, I heard last week about the fourth quarter metrics for Justin. That's pretty bad, man. I, I can't overlook that. I, it has been crunch time, and against better defenses, the numbers are not so good. There's no denying that. Uh, Bill in Gray's Lake, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Billy? You're winding up all the way down. I'm going to roll with it. Billy. Hello. Hey, Bill. Uh, hey, uh, great to talk with you guys. I'm honored that you... Uh, I don't talk to such experts and personalities, but uh, uh, and a great interview. I mean, I loved that last interview. Uh, I, I feel like I've gotten more information out of that than I have in a long time. Listening, listening for week, you know, months on this stuff, especially but, uh, us. <laughs> well, my favorite are Carmen and Yurko, but you guys are uh, number two. Thank you. Uh, We're definitely number two, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, not like in the movie. But uh, I, I had one question though. You know, that great interview. I learned so much, uh, and it really, you know, like I do a ledger board where you got your pros on one side, cons on the other. It almost comes down like fifty-fifty from what we're hearing, whether to you know stay with Justin and move on. But the one question you guys didn't ask, unless I missed it, was you didn't bring up the Selvig. Uh, the uh, you know the uh, fresh uh, rookie quarterback on a new contract, you know, and so he was talking about all these uh, draft picks you could have. Well, we already got a bunch of draft picks, but you know, you got a, a quarterback on a rookie salary cap that opens up all kinds of possibilities. Well, he's too. giving yeah, Bill, you know, he's are, giving you. Are we going to pay Justin? Uh, you know, one hundred sixty million. Well, I, 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 I think, think you, you, I don't think you have to at this point. No, that's the thing. Like it would, it would give you more time to make a determination, and you'd have more draft capital to figure out the solution in a year or two. Yeah, I think Brock was giving you the opinion of, of you know, from a player's perspective. Without, I mean, we could have asked him about the financial component here, but I, I just don't think. I mean, we can bring that to you. Like that's kind of already a known commodity yeah yeah of course and put the lotion in how did you, yeah how did you guys ignore well, i don't think we did you not it. ask him to the own night vision goggles or something <laughs> that absolutely was buffalo bill calling in you said that Mallor, not me he sounded was he not the spitting image oh we're gonna we're gonna have fun with that call tomorrow Mellor, you put the lotion in the basket over there okay? always do okay. do you think Bill was wearing pants on that call yeah I mean, oh my goodness Mallor, come on or was he dancing <laughs> Just supposed to ignore it like he didn't sound like the spitting image of Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs? He did. That's why I said put the lotion in the basket. So why did you say it early? I was not I didn't thinking that. I didn't want to interrupt the flow, but I was going to ask him if he was wearing night vision goggles. So. Joe, by the way, tweets us and said that, and, and I, I, speaking of voice matches, says that Brock Heward's voice sounds just like Dave Grohl. Do you agree with that one? Dave Grohl from uh, Foo, Foo Fighters. Fighters. Yes. Oh, I don't know. Got a little bit. I could see yeah. that. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, too. You put the lotion in the basket. Or, or else it gets the hose again. 
Solo in Bellwood. What's up? What's up, guys? How you doing? Good. Hey, we're good. Call. Hey, Solo. All right. So I just had a, uh, I had a take. So the last caller um, said something that, you know, I've been talking to my friends and, you know, I agree with, is that we have lost the bully game in, the, in our team. Like, we used to run the ball down people's throats, and we was able to throw it. And this year, what I saw was, we weren't, you know, people say we got to go offline running game. I didn't see it this year. We couldn't run the ball in the red zone. We could, when Justin hands the ball up and turn around, it's second and nine a lot of times. So, you know, I just think the offensive line, I agree with him on that. We need to get totally get more physical and get better and tougher on the offensive line and defensive line. As far as the quarterback, I love Justin. I think he got a lot of talent. I think the lack of line has hurt him because we, are, we were rebuilding with him. So that's hurt him. But I look at it as we have to move on and get Caleb, man. Because I look at it in this draft, if Justin was coming out in this draft with these other quarterbacks, he wouldn't go number one before Caleb. So, And that's how I look at it. If, if Justin was in this draft, would he go number one? No. It would still be Caleb. And he's athletic as well. So I feel like that's why you move on with him. And then, again, like the last caller, I build the offensive line. We can get a receiver in the later rounds. We don't have to get a, a receiver with a high pick. But we can definitely get the best quarterback in the draft and, and move forward and build the line. I just want to know what you guys wait, think wait, about Let Bill. me ask you a question. Yeah. Solo, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Was that Buffalo Bill the last caller? No, 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 not the last. The guy that was talking to the, the no, know, perspective on Caleb. All right, never mind. Uh, so, thank Thanks, Solo. Uh, look, the Bears, the Bears are the number two rushing attack in the league this year. Behind the Baltimore Were Raiders. Were they really number two? Yes. Yes. Well, that's what, and with Justin. Right, well, right, that's sure. part of it, though. Yeah, sure, that of part, of, part of the equation is is that your your quarterback is going to be a large part of what you do on the ground. Um, again, I, I mean, the, the evaluation process is difficult. I think that the choice is pretty simple. If you feel one of these guys is better than Justin and can take you where Justin can't, you take him. He, really? he The one thing, though, that um, Brock leaned on heavily was the leader of men. He, he, he circled that a lot. That Justin is, is well-liked and is the well, team leader. Well, he asked us whether or not. Well, and, 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 and when I, he said yes, yes. And, so and I he, think the that's answer what he leaned is, on. Yes. There's and no question. Yes. That's I, what he was leaning on. And I think that that is an important component, but I that to me is... Not at the top of my list. Okay. Uh, let's uh, let's get to Aki's A-List. Ooh, it's yeah. time for Aki's A-List. From the mind of the man who understands the four Ps of Waddle's world. Aki's A-List. The top questions and topics floating around in Tyler Aki's mind. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Aki's A-List on ESPN Chicago. Can we do the uh, side-by-side comparison tomorrow, Meller? I'm sure Meller's already looking for sound right now on his machine in there. <laughs> uh, we had a text. Someone texted Waddle and me saying it was it was Buffalo, Buffalo Bill. That had to be. I haven't seen who it was, but. No wonder you know why. Who he else it reminded me of? Who? It reminded me of uh, Hoodie's Reinsdorf as well. Really? Yeah. I did, it didn't didn't remind me at all. We'll play of, it back tomorrow. Okay. Maybe maybe it'll change your mind. Okay. Good. All right. So we heard earlier from Jalen Johnson, and we 
about him talking about Justin Fields and the coaching staff. But one of the other things he said when he was on with oh, yeah, Keyshawn, good. I'm glad you brought this up, was about some of his contract expectations. I think it really stands all kind of the balls in my court, balls in my favor. I think really it's just a matter of time of when it happens. But I think really going into the negotiation, I don't think it's too much really to try to talk about. I feel like there's no reason why I can't be the highest paid corner in the league. And I feel like that's what I'm aiming for. That's what I'm shooting for. That's what I think can be done and should be done. I feel like I've had a good enough resume, I feel like, from my rookie year to now. And I think really this was just icing on the cake. So I feel like there's not... Anything that anybody can say, I took the ball away. I got all pro. I got pro bowl. I mean, what else is there for me to get? So I feel like I'm definitely very deserving of the highest paid position. So, I mean, I'm going to go in and the ball is really in my court. So, I mean, it's going to continue to um, wait for them. And then we're going to reach and come come to terms on, on it. And hopefully it's what I think I'm deserving of. So the, I, the high... I think- Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think he's a fabulous cornerback, but mm-hmm. like when they have the capacity or the ability to franchise him, I would say the ball's in the Bears' court. Yeah. But, well, I was going to say, all right, so that highest average annual value on a cornerback contract right now is Jair Alexander at $21 million a year, right. over four years for $84 million total. You also have Denzel Ward and Jalen Ramsey, who are each $100 million players. Would you make Jalen Johnson the highest paid cornerback? I don't think he's the best cornerback in the National Football League. I think he's fantastic, and I want him as a member of this franchise going forward for however long you can keep him. Where where is where is I'm, Montez Sweat as far as uh, his being the highest paid defensive ends though? Because didn't he get Montez Sweat is the fifth highest paid say, like, top like, five. like, and he's not like amongst the the top five best rush ends. But well, he's when paid like yeah. it. well, when it's time for you to get paid. That's you know my mean? point. That's my point with Jalen. Well, you can franchise him if, for whatever reason, he wants $25 million a year and you don't want to give him $25 million a year. Well, I know that. I know. I I, under, I mean, and, and you did trade for him, so you had to pay him. But I think, yes, you could play the franchise game. I think they're going to, they're going to end up paying him in, as a top three corner. But here's the thing about the salaries. It's like, even though you're the highest paid, it doesn't necessarily mean you're the best. It's just kind of the way and right. the progression of it all. Like, exactly. Joe Burrow's one of the top three quarterbacks in all of football. He's the highest paid. I don't think anyone would say he's the best quarterback in football. But I don't think that this is the Kirk Cousins of corners either. This is a guy who, right. who is one of the youngest corners who is now in, in coming into his peak performance. In this defense that you're keeping... It, like he said, his learning now to take the ball away now that you've got more of a pass rush and has always been a good cover corner. So w- with all those factors playing into it, I have I don't feel uh, like itchy about paying him top the top, top five corner. corner. Yeah. yeah. Top three. I mean, Jalen, uh, that's kind of just. Yeah, it's Jair Alexander's making twenty one average, twenty one million a year. Denzel Ward for the Browns is twenty point one. Jalen Ramsey is twenty million. Marlon Humphrey, you can count on him more than Jair Alexander. Like he's more stable as a player, as a personality. Yeah. Well, I'd say Jair Alexander's had a better well, career. Well, as a personality, for sure. Well, like, that may be different, yes. But as a player, Jair Alexander's been a that, better player. That goes into your calculator, though. 
Like as far as stability, okay, if you want to pay him twenty million, that's fine. Nineteen, twenty, whatever. That's what top I'm saying. Five, like, yeah, I'm not going to haggle over it. That, well, that's I'm my just, point. But like, if he's intent on having to be the highest paid cornerback in the league, and he's not going to accept anything more than that, I still have the ability to franchise yes, tag. Him. Yes, yes. I'm not trying to take money out of Jalen Johnson's pockets. I mean, like I, I want him here for as long as he can be. And I'm not trying to like rain money down on him. I think you're going to be able to pay him top three corner money without breaking the bank for your, well, yeah, you your have, team going forward. What do they have? $65 million available this year. So... Well, and the thing is, you're gonna, if you're going to franchise him anyway, it's probably equitable to try and get... You can make him the highest paid by a million if you want him in the fold long term. You know, right, to give yourself right. a little more flexibility down Yeah, the and with, with the guarantees and everything like Look, that. You're not, it, this is semantics. They're not going to let him go. If you want to be the highest paid cornerback in 2024, you can, you can build the contract in a manner in which yes. you make $24 million this year. Next year, you're going to make $20 million. So it can go backwards. Like, so, like, I... Exactly. It's all about the yeah, guaranteed it's number. It's all about the numbers. He ain't going anywhere. My guess is, is they'll find common ground. He's delivered. Yes. They've asked him to deliver. He has delivered. He had one interception in his career coming into this into this season. He added three more this year. He He's did, a top cornerback in the league. He was a second-team All-Pro. He did what they wanted him to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. He's earned his money. And I think, I mean, look, if they want to fight about it, who was the top paid cornerback in the league, have at it. He ain't going anywhere. Right. And that's my point. Like, I don't think now we're at a point where you need to fight over a guy who is really coming into his own. No. But, I mean, again, if you're looking to be the top paid cornerback in the league by a large margin, I don't think they're going to do that. Yeah. What do you have another one? Uh, yeah, real quick. Uh, we mentioned it briefly during Waddle's World, but I do want to expand a little bit on here. We talked about the wall with the Clippers <laughs> and the rules that you cannot root for the opposing team. You cannot wear so gear of the opposing team. You can only sell your tickets on the wall at their new arena to certified Clippers fans through their uh, team website. Is this a fair move for a franchise to do that? I think it's I think it's unfair to say like what do you mean you can't root for an opposing team. So like if Steph Curry gets hot and now all of a sudden he's got 10 threes and I want to see an 11th and a 12th. Don't you dare clap cl- for him. I'm like, a what if, don't fan? Clap for him. What if he breaks a record? Right. Don't clap for him. Exactly. That's my point. Like am I not allowed to clap for for Steph and show respect? I would think it's a very subjective policing. What are they going to do? Are you going to throw me in Clippers jail? Yeah. Balmer jail. What they do is they put you in this this room and they have a bunch of TVs and it's just video of Balmer dancing. <laughs> put, the, put the lotion in the basket. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just have a hard time but like seeing how this whole thing is going to work out. I think it's a great publicity thing. Whether yes. it's selling tickets to the other fans and all I, that stuff. I like, think people are talking about it and they'll be able to sell tickets and, and they're hyping up their new cool stadium. But I like, well, there will be a jackass that wears, you know, a jersey of somebody else, a LeBron jersey and tries to invade the wall area or what's it called? The, the wall, yeah. Did yeah. you see too uh, Russ Westbrook got into it with a fan. Yeah, I, was it last night? 
I saw a video. I got into it with Scal like a couple weeks ago. Did he really yeah. with Scal? Mm-hmm. I don't know like I, if this was dated or not. I think I saw it on Instagram. Yeah. This was from like a day or two ago. It I was say. A, a fan a, 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 in Minneapolis. I think it was. It was a Timberwolves fan. A Timberwolves fan was taunting him, and so. Westbrook Russ decided to you, take it into his own hands. You know, Russ has had enough of all the taunting. So Russ told the fan, come on out here. You want to talk crap to me? Come on out here. What'd the fan do? Did he come on out there? Yeah. The fan came out there. So, like, you're not in a good situation no, anymore not. because I don't the believe. The NBA doesn't want Russ no, to do that. No, and, and because I don't believe that this is just guys behind Twitter anymore. I believe there are guys now who will step up like that. And and are crazy you enough know, to do a flower ear. Don't don't tempt that guy to come onto the court. And then now you got security who wants to, who will stand in front of Ross because it's not good for anybody in no. that situation. No, you don't want that. And did you see what happened to LeBron uh, the other day? Le- I did not. A no. fan rushed LeBron on the bench. A fan came up to LeBron. Why? Uh, I, I don't know. It was weird. LeBron was just sitting just on the bench, dap, looking for a little bit of. It, fist, he just kind of ran, and, and LeBron had bump. to stick his arm out, it, like to kind of push him away until security came. The the point of me bringing this up is, you can't police who's cheering for who in the wall when you've got real issues going on. With, with fan behavior. Listen, this is a Steve Ballmer publicity thing. Yes, it's that, a marketing yes, tool. Yes. Yeah, I mean, listen, you, you got would, real policing you, to do. You would want to join the wall over there. Oh, yeah. Over at the United Center for the Bulls, if you could, back in the day. I want to start really cheering for a team that I love. I, you want to join the Cubs wall? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll join the, I, want, I want to love my Bulls again. Maybe if you pay extra to join the Cubs wall, they'll actually buy you a free agent. I'm cool with my Cubs. I'm on. I'm on solid ground with my Cubs. I, I'm fine. Like, do I wish they things were moving a little quicker in free agency? I'm good with where they stand. I'm not good with where where the Bulls stand. What happens if the uh, Cubs go to Arizona and they haven't really added much to their roster? We'll cross you that, that bridge when uh, I'm just when saying. The time, I'm projecting. Uh, Are you going to be okay with that? I live for the day, Waddle. I don't no, know if don't. you know this. No, no, you don't. I am a one yeah, day to get I know. You're a happy-go-lucky kind of guy. Yeah, whatever, whatever direction the wind blows. I, I am a one-day-at-a-time type of guy. <laughs> That's me. Uh, All right. Uh, we're going to cross-talk with Abdallah and uh, join Tyler. Join the wall, Abdallah. <laughs> it's uh, all Why coming up next. Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. Listen now on ESPN 1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Crosstalk brought to you by Steinhoffels for Chicagoland locations, including the new one in Harwood Heights. We've got Tyler still around, and Adam Abdallah is going to piss everyone off for Public two hours. Public enemy number one. Yeah. It's just funny to me. Like it's like I, I I genuinely find it funny. You're such a boomer. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? A, <laughs> a 39 year old boomer. 
Uh, I was never mind. I'm not going to go into that one either. Uh, <laughs> that was can just, you be a boomer at 39? For, no, I don't think no. so. Just carve, you can just carve one though. I just love though that you're getting called old. Oh well, yeah, like that's, yeah, that's, that's fine. Like, Listen, welcome. I got a, I got a baby. Uh, I don't really like going out anymore. Like it's you know. So they really are calling you old guy now. One guy did. One yeah. guy said Boomer Abdallah or Boomer Dollar. For what reason? What'd you do? I, I said something about because I, I I think the Bears should maybe look to move on. Like here's what I don't understand. Like. How does it make you old? Yeah. How does first of all, how does that make me old? Second of all, we're all just bears. makes you a human, a horrible human being. Yeah, is what yeah. It does. I get it. I'm yeah. a horrible person. Yeah. Like we're all Bears fans, of right? Course. Like I don't. Here's the thing: if they get to April 24th and they, if we find out that they've traded the pick and they're keeping Justin, like I'm going to root for Justin. Of like course. I don't care. Of course. You're, not, you're not allowed though. The, no, by I'm those people, to. you're yeah, not allowed. Yeah, they can kick rocks. All right, and I clean that up too. <laughs> all right. Because like put the it, lotion in a basket. This doesn't. This doesn't. Like this doesn't matter. Like Poles is going to decide whatever he wants to. They're either going to trade him or they're going to keep him. And we're going to ride with and him. We're gonna, and we're going to. And we're going to root for him. And hopefully they make yeah, the playoffs. And we like, keep rooting yeah. for our team. Yeah. Like, I mean, this isn't. You know, he's not. Tr- he's not Trubisky bad. I mean, we've at least seen some flashes and stuff. But like, it's not to me. It's just like I don't know. I just have fun with it. I think. I think there's there's twenty percent of the U.S. population is on Twitter. So this is a very vocal minority of people that are that go back and forth on Twitter. It's fine. If you guys want to get angry about it, that's on you. I don't. It's, it, it's funny How dare you have an opinion? It's just funny to me. It's just very funny to me. What that, a mature boomer. That, yeah. these, that all these people that's get... That's what comes with being a boomer. ...get so angry. Maturity. And, like, the best part is all the people that have, like, Fields as their avatar. Yeah. Or, like, feel, like literally a dude tweeted me his name is Fields Stan. And it's like, come on, like... What are you doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, why do you care about this dude so much? What has he done for you? You know? I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> Tyler, you're the young guy today. Well, Jake, you gotta... and, Jake and Sean are back oh, there. I'm so oh, I'm I'm oh, okay. yeah. in command. Keep, keep the yeah. old guy's attention over here. here. Jen's he needs a his... nap at 730. <laughs> <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I might need a nap. We're having some sleep issues, <laughs> sleep issues with the baby. <laughs> maybe that's affected. Maybe that's affected your quarterback thoughts over the last couple of days. No, I think my quarterback thoughts are, you are just fine. fine. Yeah. yeah, I think they're just fine. I loved your, I loved your Deshaun Watson information last night. I mean, it was good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I hope the fields can reach those levels on the field. On the yeah, field. exactly. Very good. On the field. On, on the field. We're on the field. All right. Uh, we've got Tyler and uh, Abdallah coming up next. Thank you to <laughs> Tyler and thank you to Meller. And good stuff from Brock Heward today. Absolutely. Barstool yeah. Big uh, Cat are, joined us. Aren't people happy that we had Brock Heward on? They are. Yeah, Ooh. now they're really There's happy. There's a, a oh, portion yeah. of our listenership that well, is thrilled. Yes. Yes. See? Yeah. <laughs> Brock Heward played. He wants to give Justin. See? And uh, yes, and <laughs> that's my favorite. Like my defensive. See, see. <laughs> but before the before we had right? him on, it's like, why aren't you putting Cuddy on? He wants Fields back. Why are you having okay. Brock Heward on? Put oh, cut- Brock Heward's put- awesome. Yeah. We're Brock Heward. Put Cuddy on. Fun. Well, we tried. We, we texted him. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to go. Yeah, yeah. He's got bigger fish to fry. It's an election year. <laughs> Okay, now can I, I was gonna say, now you've just def- <laughs> you, you get no friends get him now. Back. Yeah, he's not listening. For Waddle, I'm Sylvie. It's ESPN 1000. Have yourself a great Wednesday night.